Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, we're not even a month into the Trump presidency. First of all, let me stop. Can you believe it hasn't even been a month? No, I think you know, Trump years are like dog years. Don't you think? I feel like, <laughs> literally, I feel it's about seven months. Exactly. You know, half a year. Be. And I wonder if that's good or bad for Trump. In a way, it conveys an impression of you know activity, and which mm-hmm. is fair enough. And he's doing things. And I think a lot of right. supporters feel he's been more energetic than any previous mm-hmm. president, on, certainly on the Republican side, for a long time. And then you also wonder if he just exhausts people. People do want a sense of stability, I suspect, in the Oval Office. And they, I don't know, the frenetic stuff could, could run out at some point. Well, speaking on behalf of many Americans, I need a nap. Yeah. But we're not going to get one. So I want to go back to an editorial that you wrote after the election, before President Trump was sworn in, about the two Trumps that you thought, one of which we might get. And my question is, if you would describe the two Trumps, which one would you say we've ended up with based on less than a month of performance? I mean, I would say those of us who are doubtful about Trump as a sort of president and as a person, his personal judgment and policies thought, you know what, he could be a little wacky in the White House. It could be frenetic, as we were just saying, and his judgment won't always be the best, and he won't stop tweeting and blah, blah, blah. But the Trump administration could be pretty serious. Uh, Warren Harding was not a very distinguished president, but the Harding administration made good Supreme Court appointments, had a serious person as Secretary of State, uh, had a very good Treasury Secretary, Andrew Mellon, be launched a decade of prosperity, so forth. So you could make that case for Trump. And I think that was a lot of the reluctant Republicans who voted for Trump kind of had that view. He'll be a little wacky, but at the end of the day, We'll get good economic policies, deregulation and tax cuts. We'll repeal and replace Obamacare. We'll get good Supreme Court appointments. And in foreign policy, which is what most people, certainly I would be, I was, mm-hmm. would, would be most worried about, you get a serious Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, and things will get stay on a reasonably even keel. So some of it has worked out. I mean, the Supreme Court appointment couldn't have been better. I think he'll be confirmed. Some of the cabinet agencies look pretty good to me. On the other hand, I would say he does seem not to be stepping back and kind of keeping hands off and letting mm-hmm. these guys run their agencies. One example of that was Elliot Abrams, who has a piece up at the Weekly Standard website and who's a very free, frequent contributor to ours and probably contributed a piece in the summer of 2016 that may have cost him the job of Deputy Secretary of State uh, under Rex Tillerson, uh, under Donald Trump. Trump's interest in sort of vetoing people who've been critical of him, and, Trump, and Elliot was not a never-Trump person. He wasn't didn't sign those letters saying, I, I couldn't work for Trump. Still, he was critical. Uh, Trump's interest there, the, the willingness to sort of just weigh in on foreign policy issues sort of mm-hmm. randomly based, it's not clear whether it's based on real, you know, let's have a serious study of something. Um, you know, same in economic issues, I would say. The general chaos of the White House I'd say that's worrisome. I mean, I'm more worried that the chaos of the White House will overwhelm pretty well-run executive agencies than I was a month ago, where I thought the pretty well-run executive agencies right. would sort of survive, would would do their job, and the White House chaos would kind of be a background distraction. So I, w- I was thinking of the model of uh, you've got like this founder of the company – kind of the CEO, but not really. You know what I mean? He's yes. like the face of the company. So he goes out and he does the TV ads, right. and he you know, is uh, at, the, at the KFC franchise cutting the ribbon. Right. And then you have these various, you know, the division of chicken wings and the division of right. whatever, and they're all handled by very serious business school type people. That was what I was hoping for. I want to ask you if there's a difference maybe between the the kind of interfer- the bad interference and really bad interference. Because when I read stories that Donald Trump is obsessed with Sean Spicer's clothes, I go, good. Let's have Donald Trump worry about the fashion choices of the spokesperson. But the Elliot Abrams story, more problematic. Here's a clearly qualified, talented, smart person 
Did he really not get a job because he was critical of Donald Trump? Who hasn't been critical of Donald Trump? Do you think we still have a chance to have the that that corporate model and, and the, the Secretary of State division and the Defense Division will be allowed to operate themselves to good effect? Look, I think that's the right question, and it's we don't know yet. Um, I think the thing about the Elliott Abrams that was worrisome also was, just to, to take another minute on that, a half minute, is Tillerson had wanted Abrams for two or three weeks, it seems. Uh, he had run that up. People knew about it. He had discussed right. it with Trump. He had discussed it certainly with senior staff in the White House. Uh, no one really raised alarms until Tillerson brought Abrams in to sort of close the deal with Trump. It was pu- They made that meeting the White House, not Abrams, made that meeting public. So then Tillerson's in the position of being overruled. He loses face, not just internally, but even abroad. It's sure. sort of like, gee, Secretary of State, and he can't have his own deputy, and this guy was deputy for Bush, and, or national security advisor for Bush, deputy national security advisor for Bush. So, you know, uh, why is Trump doing this? I, I think I think that, so in that respect, the the, the Budinskiness plus the disorganization mm-hmm. can make it hard for the chicken wings guy to run a competent division <laughs> sure. and the you know diet right. coke guy to make right. sure that there's enough delivered and all that. I think that's a good way of putting. It. In the New York Times today, I was quoted, I, I guess, in an article by Jonathan Martin, which is on uh, congressional Republicans and their mostly supportive stance towards Trump and their attitude, which. Jonathan characterizes and they characterize in this piece is, look, he'll do a lot of kind of wacky things, but we'll get the big pieces of legislation through and he'll sign them and he won't mess those up too much. And I guess I said in the piece that, you know, it's sort of like people that you invite the kind of oddball, slightly crackpot, annoying, belligerent uncle to your Thanksgiving dinner. Right. And, you know, you sort of think, look, he'll be a little annoying, but, you know, basically we'll keep him under control. The mm-hmm. dinner will go along. The turkey will be good. The football game will be fun. And once every 40 minutes, he'll sort of bellow <laughs> something that you have to, you know, exactly. say, oh, kind of. But, you know, with he is the president, though. So the, the House Republicans, the congressional Republicans, think they can treat him as this kind of uncle they can marginalize. But the, maybe the analogy is, you know, it's his house, it's his dinner, mm-hmm. it's his turkey. He's deciding what what we're watching on TV. And I think he's he wants to be – look, I don't blame him for this. He got elected president. He wants to be an activist president. Right. I don't think he thinks he's just Colonel mm-hmm. Sanders making the pitch for the sure. franchise and not, 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 not running a hands-on operation. You can't complete this uh, podcast about Donald Trump without, of course, talking about O.J. Simpson. And what I mean by that is this weekend I happened to watch that great – it's going to be nominated for a billion Emmys – the People versus O.J., they went back and revisited. And one of the things that the defense team decided early on is that they were going to challenge everything, everything that the prosecutors, I mean, like if the prosecutor stands up and says, Your Honor, can I get a glass of water? What kind of water? What did you get? I mean, that's everything. And that threw the prosecution team off in the beginning. The Democrats have obviously embraced something right. close to that. Look at how few of the cabinet members have been appointed, how, the constant delays. Is that a smart strategy? Look, the Democrats believe, as the OJ example suggests, that this can work, especially when your job is to get someone off or, in the Democrats' case, to have a tough midterm election for Trump and the Republicans. Mm-hmm. That's entirely what they're focused on. Will they govern successfully? Uh, will they present to the public an image of a party that can govern successfully? Probably not. Can they afford two years of just chaos creation and then pivot? I guess that's what they hope. And that would be the question to ask. I don't think they'll pay a price for what they do this month uh, any more than I think Trump necessarily will pay a price for what he does this month. It's We've got a long ways to go. Um, but I, you know, look, they think they need Trump to be a failed president. And they think the voters, that's what the voters are focused on. And the fact that Chuck Schumer is being, you know, hyperbolic and Elizabeth Warren's, you know, getting uh, disciplined <laughs> by Mitch McConnell and the others are screaming and yelling – 
that at the end of the day doesn't matter. I'm not sure they're right about that, but it's probably like the OJ thing. At the end of the day, if you just if you're just at this point trying to get the guy off, you don't have to make an affirmative case. Right. Right. You just have to say reasonable Trump, doubt. Trump is not doing what he said he would do. Trump can't govern and forget about whose fault it is. So they might create reasonable doubt about Trump or more doubt about Trump over the next few weeks and months. And that's something the Trump White House, I'll say in conclusion, needs to think about more. I think they, they, they think oh, this is just idiocy. I mean, the, the Democrats are being ridiculous, right. which is true to some degree. But look, it matters if Trump's at 37% approval rather than 45% approval, which he seems to be moving towards. He's at 40 now in the Gallup. And at some point, you start losing your leverage with your own party, with congressional Republicans, uh, if you don't have clear public support. So I'd be a little worried if I were in the Trump White House that even though the Democrats look ridiculous to a lot of us conservatives and we you know, make fun of them at the Weekly Standard and all that, still, they could be doing the damage they need to be doing to Trump, preventing him from getting momentum in his big legislative efforts. And at the end of the day, governing successfully does mean passing some big pieces of legislation. You can do a lot through executive orders, but you need the tax plan. You need the Obamacare repeal and replace. You need, some, you need the defense build up. I mean, those things require legislation. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. Watching that, the People vs. OJ, all I could think was when they make the Trump years movie, who's going to play Bill Crystal? That's all I could think. Uh, do you have an answer? I, I no. I'm, I'm I'll George po- Clooney. I'll ponder. I'll po- there'll be so much competition by the very best, <laughs> the most handsome, of course, dashing, you know, Hollywood stars. That it's just hard to predict, isn't it, Michael? You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.